Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Well Nerds Podcast. This is episode number 101. My name is Slater, and I'm here with Adam and Caitlin. What's up? Hello. Long time no see. Nah. Yeah, <laughs> like six days. <laughs> yeah, just about four days. I'm Pretty long. Anyways. Too long. <laughs> we actually all went whale watching together for the first time since October. Did you know that? No, because we're telling him right now. No, but did you know that? We haven't all been together on the same oh. boat since then. I know, hard to believe yeah, it, I guess, because we talked so much. Someone lives in freaking the other side of the planet. Other side. As my parents say, <laughs> my dad is always like, you're always like 2,500 miles away from home. Doesn't matter which direction. Yeah, it is just like, <laughs> he's not wrong. <laughs> so... Mm-hmm. so spoiler alert we all were together in maui i mean if you follow along with us on social media you saw some photos and videos already um but yeah slater and adam came out and watched some whales we'll talk more about that during sightings um but real quick just some host updates real brief um if you follow along on our website um if you hover over the resource tab you can find our blog on our main website which is thewhalenerds.com and there's been two new blog posts put up there since the last time we recorded. Um, I actually did a beach cleanup with some friends and I wrote a, a write-up about it. So if you want to check that out, you can. Uh, for our April trips, there are seats getting booked up pretty quick. The Saturday trip only has six seats left. So if you're thinking about coming, especially on that Saturday date, I would book sooner than later because as we get uh, towards the end of February, I imagine they're probably all going to be gone for Saturday, the 23rd. So <clears throat> book now if you're thinking about it. And we would love to see you on our spring trips in Monterey Bay looking for killer whales and all kinds of other marine life. Um, we do have merch for sale on our website. And I don't know if we mentioned this during episode 100, but all of our uh, episodes from 100 onward, the video version of the episode is going to be available on our YouTube page to everybody. So um, previous archived episodes are exclusive for Patreon, but starting with episode 100, those are now public for video versions of the episode on our YouTube channel if you want to check it out. So we're being um, more professional now. No more picking noses. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And then uh, just a quick reminder about Whale Tales, the conference that normally happens in Maui in person every year, hosted by Whale Trust. It is virtual again this year. It'll be March 26th and 27th. Um, and you can register now. Some of the in-person whale watches have been going on this month. So if you are interested in joining one of those and you're in Maui, uh, you can get more information on their website, whaletales.org. And thanks to everyone who's been listening. I mean, we say thank you at the end, but it's nice to say thank you at the beginning too, because, you know. What if they don't make it? What if they don't make it to the end? Because we just start rambling about pizza or whatever. Or they're getting out of their car to go whale watching. Yep, there you go. <laughs> so yeah, thanks for listening and following along with us and supporting us on Patreon. And let's talk about some sightings. Did you guys go whale watching before you came to Maui? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I whale watch every day, bro. What, dude? It's every, it's every day, bro. Did you actually see whales? Yeah. 
know who I am? He whales for a living. Anyways, does that, does that what I did you guys see before you left? I think, what did I see before I left? I think before I left, I had a, no, that was when I got back. It's been a lot of, uh, a lot of gray whales. Um, well, actually, before I went to Maui, we were still doing our four and a half hour trips. So we were going out to Santa Cruz Island and looking for gray whales um on their southbound migration and right now it's kind of a time where we see both southbound and southbound and northbounders so the gray whales are kind of passing each other as they migrate it's kind of funny um but we definitely had a lot of southbounders we've had a a really good amount of humpbacks on lately too um we've seen those dolphins and bottlenose dolphins by the islands but we just recently switched to our coastal trips um so now we're running three well it depends Every day is different, but like today we ran one two and a half hour coastal trip um, for the northbound gray whales to to migrate past, and it was actually a really good trip. We had um we had it was like super chunky, like super super chunky, um, so that wasn't fun. But we the found ocean four was super chunky. Yes, the ocean was super chunky. What did I say? I don't know. You didn't clarify. I was like, what about it was chunky? Oh, yeah, no, the ocean was super chunky. Um, it was fun, but we had a really good group of passengers. Everybody got sick. Everybody toughed it out and they were definitely rewarded. We had a uh, four northbound gray whales, which is awesome. And we had four feeding humpback whales. Um, we actually got some lunch feeding and we had a bunch of dolphins diving and common dolphins. We had probably about a thousand common dolphins. Um, so it was a really good trip. And this time of year in Santa Barbara is, is a really good time of year to get on the water because our humpbacks are just now starting to show up and we still have northbounders going by as well. And they're just starting to show up too. And we get all of that in a two and a half hour coastal trip. Um, it's kind of funny. Whenever the humpbacks move in, just like sit coastal for a few months and like we can get like huge aggregations like this time of year, I think in, in 2021 and like early March, we had the big group move in. And then 2022, like late February, we had the big group move in and we saw like 20 humpbacks. Um, so we're hoping for that big group to move in any day. Um, but it's been really good. So super awesome. What did you see Slater? Couple things. Couple things. <laughs> couple things here, a couple things there. Um, I don't know because I don't know. Did we talk about all of our dolphin sightings and like all the northern right whale dolphins and humpbacks. I don't think, I don't so. think so. It's so been a while. A few weeks ago, we had um, really clear, beautiful water in Monterey, um, in close to the coast for all the divers and offshore. And we had big pods of white sides and northern right whale dolphins, and a lot of humpback whales and a lot of anchovies. Uh, actually, Adam was on the boat one of the days, and we literally could see blows to the north everywhere and we're like oh probably another gray whale coming down and every single one of them ended up being a humpback whale so that was really cool especially for like the middle of january end of january to have a bunch of humpbacks um and then the day after adam left they all left uh all the dolphins and humpbacks left and for a few days it was just gray whales near the point and then it got kind of uh you know what we started having like a northwest wind so i think that kind of pushed everything south. i don't know everything disappeared though um and then i think the last day before the last two days before maui that i went out it was just gray whales um I, there was some humpbacks actually off of carmel that i missed a couple of the boats were able to get to but it was super uh the easterlies were just killing me that day 
And then we left and went to Maui. <laughs> uh, oh, you know, what? actually, there are humpbacks right now. They had a group of like five two days ago. Oh, um, cool. th- then they canceled all their tr- all the trips in Monterey yesterday due to weather. <clears throat> um, but there are some humpbacks yeah, and then obviously gray whales. So, yeah. Right now then- is like uh, gray whale crossover time in Monterey. They start going north and south right around Valentine's Day at the same time. Yeah. You know what I feel weird about is is I'm because I'm not running trips right now. I have them all turned off. Mm-hmm. I f- I feel like I need to go out there just to collect balloons. Because I was looking yeah. at I was looking at my February and yeah. I had there was days and it was actually down in Southern California where I had like twenty something balloons. I was look I was yep. looking at or there was like just a one time I had a trash bag full of like fifteen balloons down there, yeah. and that, that no like they, 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 actually that's what we picked up and that mm-hmm. like it was a clump of them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so just. I kind of feel weird about it. I feel like I should be out there just collecting balloons <laughs> instead of whale watching. But the yeah. weather, it's been kind of bumpy, so. Yeah, the weather's the, been super messed up. The week to 10 days after Valentine's Day is one of the worst times of year for balloons. Yeah, yeah. yeah. awful. I feel like it was around February 20th, so basically like 10 days later, right? Yeah. Like less than, well, yeah, six days yeah. later, but um, yeah, then we went to Maui, and there was there really wasn't much there. Pretty lame, if, I, if I'm being honest. Like, hardly any humpbacks. I guess one or two turtles. Uh, we no did sharks. have a Caitlin sighting. Oh yeah, <laughs> a few sharks. Pretty lame. They can hold their breath a long time, so it makes it kind of hard. Yeah, exactly. Or two. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't even know where to start with Maui. We, what the first day we saw you the first let's, night or no? Let's let's. Yeah, freaking so. our first day there we were sitting drinking ties on the beach watching that baby was the best literally launched like this one baby we could see it from the shore as we were sipping my ties this thing launched completely out of the water it did like a porpoise it was oh like, yeah yeah like i remember five that five or now. six feet out of the water and then the mom did it right after it, it that was where margo got the photo of the mai tai with the humpback yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so awesome I'm not gonna lie. I, I I will say there's so much action that there's almost no action. Like I don't know how to explain it. Like they're it's just overwhelming. Ev- it's overwhelming because they're everywhere, and it's like obviously they can't be right where you are, but you see breaches all over the place, and it's like yeah, you, you can't you can't you really can't just drive to all the whales that are active because by the time you get there they're gonna stop. Also, I I really don't think that the whales stay active as long. At least in, in the last and the few times I've been, I've never seen a whale. I have seen a breach five or six times, but I've never seen that like just like over and over and over 100 in a row and then i was saying we were talking about it, it's like well it's probably because they're just on a budget like they don't have time to do it over and over maybe i don't know or I mean, it's hot seen, it's hot they're probably sweating <clears throat> i've seen calves get like that they're the ones that are most likely to like get into a breaching fit but the adults yeah it might only be four or five times in a row and then they kind of calm down or um uh, but i think also like I don't know. It's all in context. Cause like you see all those high energy behaviors with like competition groups, but they're yeah. so worried about keeping pace with each other that they like, don't really do anything aerial at the surface. They might pick their head up real big because they're winding up to slam it down on another whale or like the female might be peck slapping to like, I don't know if she's like egging them on when she does that or what, but often I see yeah. the female at some point during the competition group slapping. roll over and start sla- peck slapping. She's like, Ooh, nice tail slash <laughs> nice tail slash yeah but um then i don't know if it's like a, i'm still here what are you doing like follow me or what but um 
the day you guys arrived I also saw we had a, a mom calf be pretty active I was filming or I was driving the boat while Selkett was filming and we had um a mom calf that were pretty active the calf was breaching and the mom was like tail throwing or peck slapping it was pretty cool because the when the calf breaches while her flippers in the air you can really like see how big she yeah, is I got, compared I got a photo to the calf like that. yeah and then um, so, the weather kind of glassed out and it turned into like paddleboard city where we were watching the whales because they weren't very far from shore so made for some interesting photos but also it was like really overwhelming there was just a lot of boat traffic around two very active whales and yeah finally we kind of like threw in the towel we're like we got the good footage we want and it's really hard to manage for me it was hard to manage the boat traffic and like stay out of the whales way too without adding any pressure from our presence and so we did end up coming in I mean the weather was nice for another couple hours we could have kept going around but it was like nah, this what's the point like we got the footage we wanted and we're gonna just remove ourselves from the situation so i mean literally like there's so many whales there too like if you wanted to keep filming like if you didn't get the shot you could have found something else yeah we yeah we kind of like looked around and we're like well if there's any other whales that are being active that aren't too far away we'll we'll go film them um but it's the same thing it's like as soon as a whale breaches and it's nice out if it's like within a mile of shore it's like all all of a sudden you see all the kayakers and all the paddleboarders going going for it which i mean there's nothing wrong with enjoying whales you know, respectfully from a paddleboard or a kayak, but it's just like, sometimes it gets really overwhelming on the weekend when it's a nice day. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I will say that there are so many whales to go around. So if the whale watch boats don't watch the ones that are right near the Harbor, you know, or yeah, you know, that there's there, you really could, everybody could have like their own five. Whales. Oh yeah, for like, sure. There's hundreds of whales. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like, we were there first, like with one other little boat and no whale watch boats really and then all of a sudden it was like 25 paddleboarders and we we're like we gotta go <laughs> yeah. so um but then we all got to go whale watching together too which was cool uh, you know what i just remembered we what? saw false killer whales for about eight seconds at least one i mean the other ones looked like bottlenose dolphins but it, i we think definitely the first had animal one. we passed yeah, was one. one definitely so that's cool yeah, they're they're kind of tricky animals to watch in Maui. They seem tricky they... in Maui. Huh? They seem tricky in Maui. Yeah, I mean, they can be cool. They can do cool stuff sometimes, but a lot of times they're very spread out and they're just oh. it's kind of like uh Rizzo's dolphins. Like if you have a really spread out group, it's like you never really get a good look at them. Yeah. I forgot to tell you guys my uh, my friend for Cascadia said that the- tagged animal in that group and um apparently overnight went to molokai mm. after we saw it so i mean it's not that not that far away because they were on the north yeah. side northwest side that's just across the channel mm-hmm. but kind of cool to see that we saw like lahaina and they shot across yeah so we went sunrise and sunset yeah and sunrise trip we had active mom calf near the mooring Mm -hmm. field that was cool super cool got your whale photos with palm trees in the background (laughs) and people's houses houses in the background yeah and i know it looks it's like all the so many breaching photos i have they all had like sailboats in the background and stuff so it's like like on mooring cans like all the big catamarans and so it's kind of like it doesn't bother me but 
She said, looks like there's a boat really close to the whale, really, when the, you know, the humpback Just actually swam boat. past a sitting boat. That's, you yeah. know. Yeah, so, yeah. and um, the sunset I think what was... else we had that trip. We had lots of moms and babies, a couple adult whales around. Um, and then we went snorkeling. Oh yeah, Mala War. That was dude. Freaking Caitlin's just like a little fishy over here. She's like, I'm gonna go check on Slater and see if he's okay. And she's just like, Well, you guys there, and she's like, I'm gonna go check on. No, I was, I was, yeah, I was with Caitlin, and she was like, Hey, I'll be back. I gotta find Adam and Chase and everybody, and she just went (laughs) zipping around. Well, you guys all just like spread out in all different directions, and I didn't know where (laughs) you went, and like two. Oh, because we had the shark, right? Yeah, and like two snorkel boats dropped off their people, and I was like, "Oh, great! Like, where did everybody go?" And I had the car key, so if anybody wanted to get out, I like needed to know where they were. Dude, you were just like a little fish. You're like a little eel, just like going from person to person. It was so funny. We got super lucky. The next two days that we went, uh, we had just missed the boats. Like, yeah, one of the, the actually the best day I had there when Chase and I were just sitting at the cleaning station. Um, we had 12, 12, or 12 turtles on one of the cement, like one of the yeah. pieces of the wharf. Literally, yeah. I was like, he goes, there's five here. And then I was like, dude, there's seven. And he's like, there's nine. And I was like, dude, there's 12. It was so <laughs> funny because like as we were getting closer, we were counting more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that day was really good. And then right as we were like towards the end, they dropped a group off in the water. But we had a really good, uh, really good looks at turtles there. It was a lot of fun. Did you guys see sharks other than that one day? Yeah, I we saw uh, him and I saw a shark that day. Nice. And it was, but it was way down on the bottom and like zipping yeah, around through all. That's the, usually what they do. It was zipping around through all the like rocks and reef and all that. Uh, you know what we did have was an eel. Oh, nice. What kind of eel is it? It's uh, got a bunch of dots on it. Probably a white mouth moray. Let I me see, see those there a lot. I saw the first day yeah, that's it. I saw it really I saw a really small eel. It was like yellow and black, but it was like striped. Mm. No, this is the one we saw for sure. White mouth moray. And you know what's funny is Chase and I were on our way in. I was like, I was like, there's a <laughs> the, it was it was out of the rock swimming in the open sand. But yeah. like I looked up at him, then I looked down, it was gone. But then I found it again and it started weaving through rocks. But yeah. Dude, they just out and about, huh? Sometimes, yeah. I mean, I um, I took my family snorkeling at McKenna Landing on the south shore of Maui, and that's a good spot where there's a couple white mouth mores that have like this one little uh, reef area that they like. And so I was like swimming around, showing them the turtles. But then on the way back in, my mom's like, "Whatever, I gotta go." And then my dad's like, "I'll just swim in with you." And so then I was like, "Just hang right here for a couple minutes." I'm looking for an eel, and then we found two of them in the same like little patch of coral, which was cool. Uh, you know, I bet a night dive on that wharf would be cool. Yeah, I don't know why. I feel like there might be more stuff to come out at night. They do night dives there. I don't know the details, but if it's just a lot of people get together and do it themselves, or if there is actual tour, but oh yeah, I bet, I bet they run one for sure definitely a cool spot it's an old broken down pier that's partially submerged and pretty neat yeah yeah, yeah 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 yeah. white tip reef sharks there a lot and actually during covid um there were barracudas there almost every time i snorkeled there just i hmm. think because there was less people in the water 
So that was pretty cool. And then our sunset trip. Um, was awesome. awesome light. Man, Perfect the sky light. was like pink, orange. It was beautiful. Cotton candy. And then we had brief look at, I, I think it was one false killer whale, but then there definitely was some bottomnose dolphins too and lots of humpback whales. And Kaylin, look. are the sunsets at, at uh, Malaya, like do you actually get them because they're you're further south of Lanai? Or does it still get blocked? Yeah, so like the angle changes where you can actually see it go all the way below the horizon if you're far enough out. Yeah, that's yeah. what I because I, I remember going on the what's called cruise. Oh, the celestial cruise. Yeah. Yeah. So if you go out of Ma'alaya and just like head either straight out in the channel or towards the south shore of Maui, you can actually see the sunset like past Lanai. So mm -hmm. like it's mm -hmm. out more in between Kahulave and Lanai. So it's easier to watch the whole thing go down. But I so like cute. it when it goes behind the cloud too, because it's like nice light scattering and stuff sometimes also. But then also like if there's a little bit of cloud cover on the West Maui Mountains or on Kahalavai, like that's prime. Like the clouds turn pink and it's really pretty. Even I mean, even that trip, just like the, the clouds were just so beautiful. Like the entire trip, the clouds were just so nice. And then that trip was just like crazy with the cotton candy skies and that mom did that one huge breach. <laughs> Like there's this, we we took up most of the boat on like an open party boat in the evening, but there was a couple from somewhere in the Midwest, like Michigan or something, Michigan, I think. Um, and the lady just like happened to have her cell phone up and she like clicked it right as the whale breach and she got this awesome picture on her I phone. Dude, dude, I'm telling you it was better than like, not, I'm not saying it's better than anyone's photo, but it looked better than everyone's photo. Yeah. She's like, I got it. She's like so proud of herself. Just like so innocent. Like, like don't get me wow, wrong. That's actually a really good photo. Don't get me wrong. You can't like really print it or you could, I guess, but it's, you know what I mean? It's not like, yeah. it doesn't have the, it's not like the R5, but it's still, I mean, obviously. it was honestly, it was I don't even think the R5 could make, seen. I don't think it could have made it look how like iPhones just make photos look good sometimes. Yeah, the exposure I just was don't like understand. perfect. Like how? I, I know. She just like went for like, it. I feel like a loser. <laughs> I know. Why can't you just set your like, I don't know, R five to two point eight <laughs> and like just shoot whatever? I don't know. It's so weird, dude. I don't know what. But it's just funny. It's like I don't know. I don't understand how this lady's picture on a phone is better than my freaking five thousand dollar camera. Like why? It's not that it. This? <laughs> it's not that it was better. It's just that you were like it was tight. I don't know how to explain it. It just looks good. It was like perfectly in frame. Add like water, whale, sunset. <laughs> Mine like was perfectly in frame. It was just, I was yeah, so. Yeah, she just like so, tilted her screen so towards us. And I was like, wow, that was. See, really I'll tell good. you why. It's because yours looked like realistic and actually like was real probably and hers just like artificially makes everything perfect i guess I, I was super proud of mine that everybody was like oh this lady got the best picture ever i didn't want to look at it yeah she uh, just, no, it was I, good like, looked over her shoulder as she tilted her screen i got one I like oh man my, i literally my, so there's two people in it mine has two people in it yeah <laughs> and i was i feel like i was back at like 100 i guess or i don't even know i just they're just they're literally the whales in the middle and there's two people on each side <laughs> I haven't even looked at that photo. Mine was at 100 millimeters. Yeah, yeah, I was on the back right corner of the boat, though, so I was shooting past everyone. Yeah. Yeah, I have a little bit of someone's head in there, but... My camera was, was in my bag. I was, like, done. The light was, like, 
too dark, really. It was getting really dark at yeah. that point. Adam said yeah, his my, ISO was at 2,000, right? Yeah, my ISO is 2,000, and my show speed is at 1 over 2,000, so. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, I, I, same with me, too, and I was like, eh, I'm, I'm good, and then I was like, ah, and then, well, Chase, every three seconds kept saying, it's going to breach, uh, that was, that, that definitely that dive was a breach, and I was like, oh, shit, so I got it back out, and sure enough, it finally, <laughs> eventually did. Oh, Chase is funny, man. Oh, yeah. Chase is awesome. We'll have to have him on the podcast soon. Yeah. Because he's definitely seen a lot. I would say oh more than God. probably all of us, honestly. He's, he's been so everywhere. Funny. Pointing out whales left and right. And the captain's like, okay, okay. We're not going over there. He's like, oh, there's a preacher <laughs> over there. There's a preacher over there. He was like, I just have to tell you. He's like, I don't yeah, want you to like, go it's there. It's part but... of my process. Yeah. <laughs> Like you don't have to do anything with the information I'm do- giving you. I just have to tell you. <laughs> like, yeah. that's just the way my brain works. I'm the same way. Oh man. Um, have you Hard guys to been not out? call out a breach? You know when they're happening Whoa. everywhere. Dude, I'll know. I always every time I see a breach, I just you know it instantly pops in my head. Slater. What? Preacher. Preacher. <laughs> I know. We should just invite Chris out on the boat sometimes. <laughs> just for it that. Just, so, you know, my memory is just visceral, like so loud. It makes you jump every time you think of that because you're like right next to a person screaming <laughs> at the top of their lungs. Have you guys, you've been whale watching since Maui, Adam. Have you, Slater? Uh, no, I stayed an extra day in Southern California before driving. We just stayed for the Super Bowl. And then, um, what, I, I got back yesterday. So, no, I have not. Oh, it was bad weather the last two days. Yeah, Adam, did yeah, you see anything? Cranking. Uh, yeah, I said we had. A, he talked. He talked about it today. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I saw some weird stuff yesterday. Oh, you know what? You gotta censor that. Yeah, I did on my Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I saw. Um, I went out f- driving for Selket to film again yesterday, and um, we had a competition group that was pretty cool to see. It was beautiful, glassy calm. There were no boats around us. And then the research vessel Kohala came up to us. So we chit-chatted with them for a few minutes just to see if we could help each other out with what we each were looking for. And then we turned the comp group over to them and they actually put some tags on some of the whales in the group, which was pretty cool. And then we found this group of two humpbacks. We were looking for moms and calves, but we found these two adults that we were like, I don't really know what's going on here. And then Selkat's like, is that a shark? And I was like, no, it's a dolphin. So this bottlenose dolphin swam over to these two whales and they kind of disappeared and one of them breached and it was definitely a male because there was no <laughs> question about his anatomy. <laughs> it's like, whale I said fluffers, something as dude. it breached. I was like, dude, what's going on there? Is that a male whale? And so I was like, what are you talking about? And she's looking through the lens and she's like, I didn't see anything. And I was like, dude, look at your picture. Oh yeah. It would be so hard to notice that. And may, uh, maybe, I don't know. It depends. Cause it, there's a lot of splashing going up in that photo. Yeah. There, so yeah, there's a lot of white water, but I was just yeah. like, I don't know, man, something looks a little weird there. So then after those whales breached, the dolphin was like kind of intermixed with the two of them. And the two whales started like circling and trumpeting and like just being really weird and I was like I think they're mating but I would have been perfect to have like a drone over them but that's just such like a tough topic with Hawaiian humpbacks and stuff that it's just like I guess we'll never know unless a researcher nope. puts a drone over them when they're being that weird <laughs> that's what's so funny to me it's like okay yeah we've never seen a birth right and never seen we really haven't seen humpbacks mating at least I don't think I've heard about it really and it's like 
think about how many opportunities are missed. Yeah. I'm saying, well, yeah. I, I radioed Kohala because I know they have a drone and they have a permit. And I was like, I don't know if this is of interest to you, but these whales are being pretty weird. And I, I don't know if they're mating or what, but they're in an interesting association with a bottlenose dolphin. They're like, and then I looked back at them and like, literally the person has the pole in their hand to like tag the whale. And they're like, sorry, we're a little hung up at the moment. <laughs> sorry, we just tagged that whale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we continued on and we found, we looked at lots of moms and calves, but we found this mom calf escort group. And like the rule of thumb is that escorts are like almost always a male, but this was a juvenile female that was escorting a mom and calf because she a couple of times rolled over and was like tail slapping and we could see the hemispherical lobe on her tail stock. Hmm. And so I was like, hey. that's, a, that's a little weird. So she was like rolling around, peck slapping, tail slapping with this mom calf for like 20, 25 minutes. And then she like, just all of a sudden there was a bunch of adults getting ready to form a comp group behind them. And she just like beelined it and took off. But I don't know if she ever got in the mix. We saw her going towards a group of adults, but I never could confirm if she got in the mix with them. I don't know what happened. So would you say this is, how do you feel about the whale watching the year? Pretty similar to every year that you've been there? like the amount of boats or like yeah no like sighting wise and yeah quality of trips um i think it's been pretty consistent as the last two seasons at least plenty of whales around um timing wise about the same yeah seemed like a lot of uh friendly encounters like just the week before we got there but you don't know how many people and are posting the, and just the week after that yeah, but you don't know how many people are posting them like a Later. couple days late too, right? Yeah. Like that could have, yeah. yeah. Well, and I mean, this is a point of critique, which maybe some whale watch people in the Hawaiian Islands won't agree with me on. But anytime a whale is within 100 yards of the boat, they call it a friendly encounter or a mugging, even if it's just a close pass for like one surfacing, mm -hmm. which I, I don't agree with that terminology. Like determining that encounter is a friendly encounter may have just been... Yeah happenstance may have just been like the drift of the boat and the drift of the whale yeah, like you may have just been in its path of something else like i would know i would only use that terminology for like a, a definite investigate like investigating looking yeah. at the boat friendly encounter not just yeah, like, it's like you get a lot of close passes there right so yeah because yeah, there's whales everywhere <laughs> yeah so it's like yeah but I know some places like I've heard this from multiple boats, multiple companies, multiple naturalists, like anytime they're within a hundred yards, oh, we're getting mugged. And it's like, nah, uh, yeah, we're, Cal we're Californian people. It only happens every once in a while. So, I mean, there's definitely a lot of friendly encounters here, right? Like the whales are very flirty. They're very social. Yeah, like there's sure. just a, a lot of whales like, around, but here it's it like we have a mugging. A we have a mugging. If, yeah, we have a mugging, we're getting mugged. Hands up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Cameras up. We're, we're crying. So, yeah, so that's my two cents. But interesting stuff going out on the water. Yeah. It's been good. It's All right. been good. Are we ready to uh, continue? Dive into our, science? Our climate news science oh, climate. i say we just cancel the podcast dude it's just all negative <laughs> climate stuff <laughs> yeah i'm ready to learn 
Okay. Hold on, dude. Let me get my uh, get notebook out. Ready. My notebook. <laughs> Let me get my tears ready. So this episode, I wanted to kind of uh, put together a bunch of articles that were put out by uh, fizz.org. And they had done like a series on uh, Arctic uh, field work. I think it's all Arctic based. Yes, Arctic field work over the course of July to the end of 2021, they were featuring different projects. And I think it was kind of a good, good theme to pull together that, you know, the ocean is meant to have ice in it. And when it doesn't, things start to get weird. So um, the first article is from July of 2021 on fizz.org. High concentrations of forever chemicals are being released from ice melt into the Arctic Ocean. So this is featuring work about researchers from Lancaster University who have been studying sea ice and have found that as it melts, it releases high concentrations of forever chemicals. The study site was Arctic ice flows in the, and then they used uh, the North Sea as like a comparison body of water that's not too far away. And they found that the water that was the seawater that was right next to melting ice had concentrations of PFAs that are twice as high as the normal surface water in the North Sea. So PFAs are, I'm going to try really hard to say this right, perfluoroalkyloxyalkanes. They're chemicals that have a wide variety of uses, including processing aids in the manufacture of fluoropolymers like Teflon, stain and water repellents in food packaging, textiles, clothing, and it's also used in firefighting foams. So some of these are uh, really practical or necessary uses, but um, the chemicals actually move through the atmosphere and then the ocean stores them as part of the water cycle as uh, like it rains or snows and forms ice pack, then it like gets buried in these layers of the ice and it's sort of when that melts yeah it's sort of a good thing i guess because it is temporarily removed from the environment but when the ice melts then it all comes flooding back out at the same time not at the same rate that it's normally circulating in the atmosphere so it's concentrating it in the ice and then it releases it at a much higher concentration which is not good yeah um so thinking about like sea ice layers and how like you can actually study ice that's, this is not a new idea, right? So part of how you age, how long a glacier or like a, a, a iceberg or whatever has been out and about, you take a core of it, right? Yeah. Like you can look at the layers year to year and the signatures, there's chemical signatures in the ice. So um, most of the chemicals that they have put in this PFA category are really stable, but also very mobile in the in the environment. So they bioaccumulate in the food chain mm -hmm. because these chemicals can bind to proteins and they can also cause liver damage. They can inhibit fetal development and all kinds of other um, issues in animals. And the habitat underneath sea ice is really important for the environment because it's the base of the uh, Arctic food web. So like there's algae that grows under there, then there's things that come in and eat the algae, and then that cascades up the food chain. And that's also unfortunately where these chemical concentrations are the highest. So um, 
just another kind of consequence of global temperatures rising and just seeing how complex things really are related in the ocean and it's like adding insult to injury i feel like scary so um i'm sorry to say it doesn't really get much more uplifting from here yeah i've seen the walrus uh, <laughs> nothing good has come from seeing walruses yeah honestly <laughs> so you know do whatever you need to do to get to your happy place because we got a couple more articles to talk about briefly uh, i'm not listening caitlin wow that's hurtful well don't hurt know. the walrus like, welcome Let's to the sad stuff things. podcast <laughs> okay so the next one is female and young walruses depend on disappearing arctic sea ice for food sources this is from fizz.org eight different species in august of 2021 um and this was a study mostly done in the chukchi sea and it was sort of this like multi-layered study so they were studying ice algae and phytoplankton um, as a way to monitor ecosystem responses to loss of sea ice there are biomarkers in the algae they were studying that can be detected in walruses and other organisms organisms and that helps show uh, how the food web is connected and how it's changing based on the sea ice coverage changing so when the ice algae blooms it leads to a pulse in high quality food on the sea floor actually so in um, clams and other benthic food sources and walruses, one of their primary food sources is actually clams. So they use those big tusks, they dig in the mud and silt, and they um, make the clams come up out of the sediment and then they eat those. Uh, the lack of sea ice is leading to walruses coming to shore uh, further away from their most abundant food sources and giving them less places to haul out and rest. So like the way the ice would cover the continental shelf and like different sea habitats would provide them access closer to where the clams are more abundant and it would give them more opportunities to like lay and rest on ice instead of having to try and find a place on land. So when there are more walruses in one area, it can be more stressful because they're all competing for less resources. They're much more piled up on top of each other the possibility of like disease spread is much higher because there's more animals per, you know, per square foot or what, however you want to measure it. And uh, some of the data that they gathered from this study, especially about females and young walruses was a little bit unexpected um, to the scientists, but when they checked in with local indigenous hunters and like kind of ground truth their knowledge, it actually lined up with what the local people know about walrus patterns in the area. Shocker. <laughs> um, so it seems as though the females and the young walruses actually follow the ice line as it retreats really, really closely in the springtime. And so indigenous hunters know that and they worked with scientists to help them get their samples for this project. So uh, when they would harvest a walrus for a subsistence hunt, they would let the scientists come in and take whatever samples they needed and before they finish processing the animal to eat it. And this study is really just helping to paint a picture of what's gonna happen as ice coverage continues to change and it shifts the food web and walruses are just like one piece of the puzzle. And this work, especially with walruses in the Pacific is important because 
they are actually being considered for endangered species listing. So right now they're not on the list, but especially in the midst of a changing ocean, uh, that they potentially will find themselves on the endangered species list, but they are actually pretty data deficient right now. So they don't, we don't know enough about walruses to be able to give them a proper status. Well, they so. can invite me, I'll go up. <laughs> yeah, you need somebody to help, you know, document uh, walruses, I'm in. Photograph each one, identify them by whiskers. Not that big of a deal, dude, I can handle it. <laughs> so um, given what we know from the previous article, this melting sea ice chemical situation just like compounds the issue for walruses too. Like it's just more and more complicated. Well, I remember, um, I remember when our planet came out, they have that scene in the end of the frozen world episode where yes. the walruses are, there's no sea ice. So they have to find land. And then when they find land, there's too many walruses to really, so they have to start climbing these massive cliffs and they eventually fall off and, and die and a lot of the scientists and researchers and filmmakers think like climate change is very hard to like physically see like physically see a change in an outcome like obviously you can see a depletion in ice we can see glaciers retreat and stuff but like this was like the first like physical detriment to a species so like you can you can see like there's no ice horses are going to land they're having to climb cliffs and they're literally killing themselves because they need out and there's nowhere for them to do it so i mean it's it's a freaking gut wrencher and every time i watch the episode it's very hard for me to watch that end scene but if you guys really want to like be impacted by the climate change issue with walruses like go to netflix go to our planet frozen worlds and go to the end sequence it's tough maybe, actually, maybe don't yeah. skip to the end sequence maybe watch yeah, the yeah whole, watch, the whole, watch the whole thing but Get i'm just saying like, ready they do have a they do have a behind the scenes um portion of this segment as well and it's it's tough to watch um but if you want to feel inspired by horrible things <laughs> go watch that if you I need guess. that kind of motivation exactly if you need <laughs> if you need that kind of motivation yeah go go ahead check that out so uh, this is sort of in the same vein, I think, as Frozen World. This next part is about polar bears, which is also mm. quite sad. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Slater's like, I can't. <laughs> well, it's just like, I think the Arctic is definitely like my favorite place. And it's like yeah. everything that's up there is just not doing well. Yeah. And it's going to be the, I feel like they're going to be the first to not do well. Well, yeah, their environment is changing at like at least twice the rate as Dramatic lower latitudes. Rate, yeah. Yeah, well, so, when it's usually negative 20 and it, all of a sudden it's Maui. You're like, dude, this ain't right. Yeah. So this one is melting sea ice forces polar bears to travel further for food. This article is also from fizz.org in, in December of 2021. So this is a sort of an old data set compared to a new data set about the movements of female polar bears and the entire time span they're evaluating is 1986 to 2016 in the Beaufort Sea area. And they sort of broke it out um, into like 1986 to 1999 and then 1999 to 2016. So in the later data set from 1999 to 2016, they found that the bears increased their range by 64% in attempt to find 
sufficient food. And I think a lot of this is coming from radio collar data. And because they're having to cover 64% more area to find enough food to meet their energy demands, it's actually leading to a decline in polar bear population overall by 30%. So the bears are spending more energy trying to just get by and they're not succeeding. And so they're, they've lost about 30% of their population from 1999 to 2016. The extra energy they spend to find food um, is really harmful for bears, especially if they don't find what they're looking for, right? So they spend all this extra time searching and there's no payoff. And the main driver of all of this issue is global climate change and the lack of sea ice. So polar bears are pretty uh, dependent on ice coverage um, for a couple of reasons. The seals that they normally eat in the springtime are being displaced by the lack of ice because the seals also depend on the ice. And this is causing the bears to move further and further north, but the seals are not increasing their range further and further north. So the bears are getting triggers from their environment to continue moving, um, but the seals are not matching those same cues. And so like now they're not in the same space anymore. Um, the bears are also moving further inland to other habitats um, in their desperation for food, about 20% of the population has decided to move into shore and they're eating things like berries, but also other scavenging on other types of carcasses, but unfortunately also interacting with humans by going through dumpsters and trash. Mm -hmm. And so this is creating more competition amongst the bears that are left and that just continues to perpetuate their decline. Like uh, you guys have seen images of like polar bears going through like landfills and like dumpsters oh, yeah. and stuff, right? And then also like there was that image like three years ago of like over a hundred polar bears on one bowhead whale carcass. Like that's not how the environment is supposed to look. Not They're not supposed, supposed to be yeah. in yeah, those I've, big numbers. Yeah. 50 to a hundred polar bears on one carcass. Yeah. I mean, it'd be cool to see, but like they're supposed to be enough it's food around that like they that. don't <laughs> concentrate like that. Yeah. Um. So their recent model work is showing that this, the group that's doing this study, they made a model that shows if regulations are enacted to reduce emissions of global warming greater than two degrees Celsius, or that's 3.6 Fahrenheit for all of us Americans who don't know how to measure temperature. We don't um, know nothing. <laughs> it would drastically slow the decline of polar bears um, and it would help protect their habitat in the Arctic, which then would help these animals survive. So. Um, that two degrees Celsius number that everybody talks about, it really is crucial um, to our environment, but especially to the Arctic, because if we lose ice, all the, you can see how all these systems are starting to fall apart. You guys have it in you for one more? <laughs> it's just like, all right, Caitlin, I'm gonna uh, ask See, it. this one's about killer whales, like, ugh. Caitlin, not, I'll be honest. I mean, the killer whales are. We need to go negative, positive, negative, positive. I think the last four in okay, a row so have been need, negative. We needed a positive one in the middle is what you're saying. Or to end on a positive. How about new rule for the podcast, dude? We have to either end on a positive article or just retire now. I don't know what else to say. So what you're saying is we can no longer do episodes about climate change. Basically, we can't talk about science because it's not fun. <laughs> We just talk about like 
talk about our beautiful sightings. Let's go back to those happy. Let's just let's go, let's go talk about those happy Maui little whales again. <laughs> let's go back to that. Oh, I can't wait for the calves to get here. Uh, I don't even want. Okay. I don't even want to let you go on this article, Caitlin. I'll be honest. This one's bittersweet. Oh yeah. Okay. Pale. It starts with in the pale winter darkness of northern Norway. <laughs> a group of so unusual predators. So this one is <laughs> melting Arctic ice draws killer whales further north, and this is also from Fizz.org, December twenty twenty one. So. As the sea ice recedes further and further north each year, um, killer whales in the Arctic are actually expanding their range into new waterways. And this is then putting them into the range of other species that they now have access to that they can eat, <laughs> like beluga whales and certain species of seal and even bowhead whales. So animals that normally shelter in the pack ice, um, there's less pack ice to hide in. And now the killer whales are getting in there and finding them so these are species that killer whales didn't normally eat before but you know if it's available they're pretty ruthless so what kind of killer whales are these transients bigs um, the there are also in um, the north atlantic in norway um, close to the arctic there there's also some uh interesting things going on with fishermen and killer whales so there's more interactions yeah, happening we um, between the fishermen and the killer whales for the herring fishery and in some ways it's like there's some interactions that are not necessarily negative but there is a lot more pressure on how much herring is available like the killer whales are now getting into a range where they're eating more herring in an area they didn't necessarily used to and so then like do fisheries need to be adjusted to relieve the pressure on the fish it's an interesting set of questions um and killer whales are occupying places for longer um in the year because the ice is not forming in the fall to start pushing them out of the area anymore either well so, there's also remember what documentary was uh the night one what's the uh what is it slater at night it's, it's when they film at night yeah um i don't know I've seen it a million times though. I know, so can't think of the name. But they also had the, a sequence on the Norway herring eater whales and people, and like they would get their nets and stuff. So like that's another issue mm -hmm. there. <laughs> what do we even need? How much herring do we need? Yeah, who eats herring? Stop. I don't know. I guess I. I mean, some of the island nations have the. I don't know. Like. Yeah. Well, it's also used I'm not eating for, herring. Herring for bait and for aquaculture, and you know it's it goes into other fish food, and other like dog food. Who knows? Bunch of There's probably herring in our ketchup, dude. <laughs> you can't eat ketchup anymore. I eat herring ketchup, dude. Are you kidding? <sighs> no, herring mayo, herring mustard, herring cream cheese. <laughs> what is this? Cloudy with a chance of meatballs. <laughs> Sardine Land. <laughs> it's a good movie. Um, this article also quotes that the Arctic is warming at three times the rate of the rest of the planet. So I said at least twice, this is saying three times the rate of the rest of the planet. Um, so not only is the Arctic ecosystem facing the threat of chemical concentrations, lack of habitat, now there are these new predators that have access to this area too. So, um, so what the heck can we do about this? Eye balloons. 
drink plastic water bottles. Don't ride your bike. <laughs> Get a diesel truck. <laughs> that was all a joke. Don't do Dump it. Either. All your chemicals down the drain. Don't properly dispose of them. No. Just okay. Squirt your sunscreen in the ocean. Oh God. <laughs> Stop <ugh>. burning. <laughs> so I think, you know, we need to work towards forcing some industry changes, right? I mean, the, we can recycle and make all the individual choices we want, but, but we've it really got to find a way a to put pressure level. on them. Like, why why do we still make plastic bottles for beverages? Why? I, you know, like, I just saw some company that was like- Because people are lazy as hell. I, I'm pretty sure I saw some sort of company that's like, we're picking up plastic bottle bo water bottles out of the ocean and then recycling them. I'm like, but well, we're still using the plastic water bottle again. Yeah. So I'm like- Yep. Just I like stop. Like just stop. Everybody get a freaking metal reusable container and use it for the rest of your life. And then you I mean, I'd I rather mean, see people buy like a one gallon jug and refill their water bottle than having like, you know what I mean? Over the little water bottles. Don't yeah. I'm not saying to buy one, but it's like I'd rather see that than the freaking tiny little bottles everywhere. And it's like yeah. plastic is like honestly, plastic is is a big problem, but I think the plastic problem is not as big as these no. other issues overfishing well, overpopulations like i do think that plastic is an issue because it comes from fossil fuels so yeah. emissions with fossil fuels is one part of the emissions problem and the oil and gas industry problem but plastic is another part of it because that's where the raw materials come from so um but yeah conservation is tricky but i think another thing that um a lot of people don't necessarily like to hash out and talk about is you have to vote like if we're gonna take on these big industries and we're gonna make like big sweeping changes that comes from a legal standpoint your local representatives have just as much to do with that as the president so even if it's just the little city council in your town like that's still important to the place that you live. Like, and so I think that's one thing that, you know, I don't necessarily want to get too political quote unquote on things, but your vote in the local elections actually matters, um, especially with issues like this. Like Maui think, County. It's, it's just like, there's, there's nobody that's like actively like, like with politics, it's like, yes, like there's obviously a side that cares more about the environment, but there's no like politicians that are actively like, Let's get rid of plastic. Let's cut down our like. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, 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 at their, the end of the day, it still has to do with money. Exactly. So it's just like the whole system's just corrupt, and everything's just messed up. And I want to cry. Well, but even like, I think things take a long time to see the results too. Like Maui County, there's been a plastic bag ban here for 11 years, and there's and guess what? We still found plastic bags on the beach during our beach cleanup in January. So. That's another thing I was gonna say. It's like honestly, I feel like COVID really set us back a lot with as far as reusable stuff because everybody started yeah, just because... putting plastic everywhere. And it's like yep. all these places in Monterey, Caitlin, that you know we're all like using paper straws, yep. all plastic in. Like mm -hmm. and no then one plus, will refill my my reusable mask everywhere. Yep. I mean, not I mean, not what is it? Not reusable masks are everywhere. The disposable masks. Disposable yeah. masks, yeah, are everywhere. Yep. I just don't know what to do. 
Well, I think it's like climbing climbing a mountain. You don't climb it all at once. You climb it one step at a time. And oh, but think so- about how many people you've you've like got to even think about it just by you know sharing with them how beautiful the ocean is. So mm-hmm. I think that's really the, the best thing is just showing positivity. Yeah. Well, and as painful as listening to this podcast might be, I hopefully helps paint the picture for people of how dire this situation really is. And then we'll help inspire people uh, to go out and do more after they listen to this episode. Cause it's not all ponies and rainbows and baby whales and cute little seals. It's, you know, we've got a real crisis on our hands in our oceans and we've got to do what we can. It's just like, like, I, I agree with that a hundred percent, but it's like, to a certain extent, like you were saying, like it is on, it is on the hands of these big production companies or these big fossil companies. And it's like, how the hell do you get them to open their eyes? Or like, to I don't think they're going to open their eyes. I think you have to either make what they're doing illegal or you have to, um, cripple what they're doing by demanding better from them as a consumer i mean at the end of the day they're making money out of your wallet so if you're not going to spend it with them until they change their ways you got to apply enough pressure to get them to change okay i'm buying an electric truck right now yeah you know how much the truck's gonna be though too 70 freaking grand yeah. Instead of more impact on buying a car, can you ride your bike, ride the bus, carpool not, with someone? Not only will your rent is our rent here is already so high, and then on top of that, you'll have to, you'll want to be payment. better with an electric truck. But then your your yeah. electric truck will be twelve hundred dollars a month too. Well, yeah. and is that is it even that much better for the environment though? I mean, it's still got yeah, that's the problem. Exactly. We're not even we're not even we're not even there yet with the freaking yeah. electric stuff. So well, that's it's the building saying, the batteries is what's the problem is. Yeah. What about supporting systems already in place? But even like public even transportation. Then, even then, if you get an electric, I think electric cars are the future. But the way that our systems are set up now, it's like okay, you get your energy from the grid, and where do you, where does the grid get its energy from? Freaking fossil mm-hmm. fuel burning. So like, what's the point? I, yeah, I mean, I think it's an issue that people really need to do some soul searching on and figure out what's going to be the most eco-friendly option for them. I I personally have always strived to live somewhere that I can walk or bike to work. Doesn't always work out that way, but many of the places that I've lived from college onward, I've been able to walk or bike or take the bus. You're just better than all of us. <laughs> That's not, I mean, that's not true right now. In Maui, I have to drive 25 minutes, but that's, you know, a choice I had to offset with, you know, my financial situation is like. That's what I'm saying. It's just like, it's so hard to live life, pay your bills, eat food, put a roof over your head. And then to think about the environment on top of that, like, I understand how difficult it is. And I understand why people can't do Mm -hmm. that because life Mm -hmm. is so hard regardless Yep. And it's just like. But we're going to have no future to strive for if we don't handle this. I don't know. (laughs) Circles we're going in. So anyways. I'm going to throw away half the crap in my house right now. Do it in a way that's not just going to end up in a landfill. Yeah, no, I I always donate my clothes to like Goodwill and stuff. Not Goodwill. Goodwill's. (laughs) 
also Actually, just consuming less so you don't feel like you have to get rid of half the stuff in your house like, well that's the thing it's like i have I'm, I'm at a point where like i've just accumulated so much over the years that like i just want to get rid of it i'm just like live a minimalist style but then i buy more crap and it's like why do i do that yeah yep. honestly all the crap i buy now though is camera gear and like electronics <laughs> but that also has batteries and stupid <sighs> <laughs> anyways Adam has some soul searching to do. It sounds it's like it's all about just trying to do better. Like yeah. just li- literally, like me. I don't even know. Eating me like not as much as we do or something. It's just better. Like I forget. I was talking to my I wife's gotta sister. The, I got a plant based chorizo at Chipotle. My wife's sister is like vegan, but she, if we're at like a restaurant and it just can't be taken out and it's like pretty much the only vegan thing, they'll be like, okay, like go ahead and leave the whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like and so. She was like, oh, and I was like, dude, you got to realize that you're better than most people anyways. And you're like, the fact that you're vegan, the fact that you're vegan for months at a time is better than, you know, missing one up one time. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think, I don't think it's necessarily, I think, yeah, you're right. You just have to try and make the changes that are available to you and each person that's going to look different. Everyone's in their own situation. Um, but if you have the, you know, willpower or skills or whatever to pursue it, pursue something to its furthest, like, go ahead, do it. Like, and it could be that, hey, you're really good at writing grants. So you're going to write grants for your local nonprofit that's working on conservation. Or it could be that you like to cook at home. So you want to switch to a plant-based and locally produced diet. Like you have the means to do that, do it. That's what like, I started doing. So. I have to start going to farmers markets, but I just freaking work all the time, and it's like okay, See, I'm I get lucky. off work, and then the freaking farmers markets close, and it's like all right, well, I'm lucky because one, I go get Chipotle. There's tons of uh, farmers markets here, and two, literally on my route home and soft pull offs on the right. You know what I mean? I could stop off at, and like that's what we were doing for a while, and then you, and then obviously you fall out of it. But like as long as you try yeah. to do it, well, Tuesday when we lived up on Madison, we were going to the street fair on tuesdays yep um but it's nice you just grab a little bit of asparagus toss in your air fryer i just think you got to get what you need like i think we should be shop grocery shopping a little bit more which i don't know if that's better because then you got to drive there more but like if you waste food like if we bring too much home and it sits there like if you buy some trader joe's like if you buy the tortillas how am i gonna eat nine tortillas in three days what do you mean (laughs) how organic can it be that it goes bad in two days like it's like oh my god like you can't get anything because it goes bad so quickly so it's like you really so that's why it's almost like sometimes you just eat out it's a tough uh, cycle for sure yeah just you got to be mindful and really evaluate your choices i think just being more con- conscientious of your choices and how it impacts the environment is a good place to start like just do an assessment of your weekly routine yeah and then cry at the end of it and then just cry <laughs> cry it out get ready to start over again So I don't really know how to uplift this uh, depressing episode. I do. You do? Come whale watching us in April. That's true. Come see whales with us in April. and um, Unless you live on the other side of the country and you have to fly in because that burns false. I'm just kidding. I mean, if you do, though, think about the impact of that. And can you do something to help offset it, like clean the beach or support an organization that's doing carbon offsets or, you know, take a new conservation action item home with you or whatever 
if Caitlin moves back to Monterey, we could carpool again. That's true. There was a time we were carpoolers. Remember? 5 a.m. carpool. <laughs> um, Those were the we, we could. We also, as soon as you get back to Monterey, uh, we could do car uh, beach cleanups too again. Yeah, maybe we should just do one. Pretty for easy to do them on Del Monte. Yeah. Yeah. Even in Moss Landing, just like after the trip one day, because that's also close to Earth Day. So, or one of the days it is Earth Day, isn't it? The first I one? Know. I think Friday. Earth Day was the last time we did it. Earth Day's in like February or something. No, it's in April. It's right by my birthday. Yeah, dude. It's like April, like, it's right by all of our birthday. I mean, me. Cool. Me, so, anyways, day. we'll get back to you about that, but we might do a beach cleanup after one. Oh, I did an all day trip days. on Earth Day. That's what it was so. last year. Okay. Well, See you there or see you another time. <laughs> see you later, Theodore. If you made it this far in the episode, thank you for sticking through this hard <laughs> set of topics. We really appreciate you. You were better than us. And really we, hope, it. we hope you feel challenged to do more for the environment. And um, if you have some cool ideas that you want to send our way, we'd love to hear them. You can either direct message them to us on Facebook or Instagram at Whale Nerds, or you can um, email us or uh, check out our website for more stuff we got going on too. So uh, website's thewhalenerds.com. And thanks. Thank you, Thank guys. You. Stay positive. Bye. See some, see some Bye. Guys. Peace. <laughs>